Oh, what a great day. Listen, we have had an awesome time today at all of our worship gatherings, uh, the ones that I've been a part of, which is all but one. Um, I, I wasn't in chapel at 930, but all the other ones have been spectacular uh, movement of God in our midst. And, and I pray that that would continue today. Now, the movement of God in our midst is not dependent upon how good the sermon is. I don't say that to give myself a break, uh, but it's not. Uh, the, the movement of God in our midst isn't even dependent on how good the singing is, even though you've had great singing today. The movement of God in our midst is dependent upon you. It, it's dependent upon your heart. I, I'm always uh, amused a little bit when people come and say, well, that church is as dead as a, as a, you know, a doornail. You know you're talking about yourself, right? I, <laughs> I, I, we like to point to faith. Now, I, 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 I tell you, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe how that church was. I just can't believe it. And, and just can't believe it. Can't believe it. Dude, you're part of it, right? I, what can't you believe? But as we gather here today, your heart before a holy God is what determines your encounter with a holy God, okay? We're going to open the Word of God. We're going we're to look at it faithfully. There's going to be application to your life and mine. There's going to be a call to action and application and movement and obedience, and, and we're going to exalt Christ. We've already exalted Him. We're going to keep on exalting Him. All the conditions are ready for you to have an encounter with God that transforms the way you live this week. But the one thing that is needed is your heart. So if you have Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 130. And I, 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 I think that maybe as we look at this passage, it's going to help all of us. I, We've been doing this series called Being Made Whole. We started last week to see how that God takes us out of brokenness. We looked at Psalm 31. Today, we're looking on how to find forgiveness. And I've got to tell you, and, and while you're turning in your copy of Scripture, I just want you all to kind of listen, key in here. See, I think, I think all of us have a deep sense that we all need forgiveness. See, I'm here today, and if I can just tell you straight up, every day that I wake up in the morning, I feel a deep need for forgiveness. I'll leave here after having preached four times and having spent all day talking about Jesus, and I will leave here and go to the house this afternoon and this evening, and I will feel a deep sense of need for forgiveness. You're here today, and I hope that you sense your need for forgiveness. I don't think I have to convince anybody that they need forgiveness. Um, it, it is, uh, I mean, they've got like clinically, uh, they, they got clinical terms for people who don't think they ever do anything wrong. I, I can't ever remember if that's a sociopath or a psychopath or 
just, you know, I mean, we all understand that we do bad things. We come to church and we don't always acknowledge it, but we do. We all do bad things. And can I just tell you, I'm deeply aware of the bad things I've done. And, and, and the truth is, I'd like to say that I've done bad things and I'll never do another bad thing again. I'd love to be able to say, man, I learned my lesson from doing this bad thing and I'll not do another bad thing again, but that's just a, that's just a fool's promise. This side of heaven. See, I, I've blown it and I'm going to blow it again. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why forgiveness is so necessary. The good news is, we're going to look at it today, the good news is that there is forgiveness with God. There is forgiveness with God. My wife's remodeling the house. I say remodel, it's not really a remodel, it's a rearranging with a few different items thrown in the mix. And she's rearranging, and, and whenever we talk about rearranging and, and moving one piece of furniture to this place or upstairs or downstairs or in the garage or wherever, uh, invariably there's always this, this uh, change of color schemes. Yippee. Right. Um, I, I honestly, I can't really tell the difference in my home. Uh, there's one room that is hopscotch or hop swatch or something like that. And then the next room is a cup of cocoa. They pretty much seem the same to me. Just, I mean, you got one color that's tan and you got another color that's tan. But my wife sees the difference, and that's all that matters. I'm telling you, I'm going to throw some wisdom your way if you're brand new married or thinking about getting married. When your wife says it's time to change colors, you say, oh, yeah. (laughs) You're right. If she asks you what color you like, you don't tell her what color you like. You say, honey, whatever color you like the best. She said, well, I think I like this color more than that color. Well, honey, if that, I agree. And then she'll change her mind and say, no, I think I like this color more than that color. You say, I agree. I'm just saying. It's a lot of wisdom thrown your way. Save your marriage. Anyway, so we, we started painting. And, and truth is, she's painted most of the stuff. And, and yet, um, as, uh, as we looked at painting... Uh, one of the tasks that I knew was going to fall my way was uh, the ceiling. See, several months ago, we, we are uh, probably longer than that, but we, we had a leak. And it left a water stain on our ceiling. A leak in our bathroom left a water stain on our ceiling. And, and, and that water stain persisted and probably was added to a couple of times pretty confident that it was. And, and so uh, anyway, that water stain was there and it was, 
It, it was always there. And so uh, my wife lovingly at times would say, you know, we ought to cover up that water stain. And so I obediently said, yes, ma'am. And I went and got some kilts and I started covering up the water stain. Well, the problem with the water stain is that it was so permeated into that ceiling that it just began to soak through. And after the first coat of kilts, it soaked through. And you could see it in the second coat of kilts, it soaked through and you could see it in the third coat of kilts. I don't know how many coats of kilts are on that water stain, but it soaked through and you could see it. And so when my wife said, you know what, we're going to redecorate. And I said, yippee. And she said, let's, let's paint the walls. And I said, absolutely. Let's paint the walls, whatever color you want. And then she said, let's paint the ceiling too. I said, yes, I'm going to conquer the water stain. The water stain is such that when I sit in my seat, I'm not looking at the television. My eyes are drifting to the ceiling. I mean, I've covered it with kilts. That stuff is supposed to work. But it's there. So, Friday, I decide I'm going to conquer the water stain. So we, we, I get all my stuff together and, and Edie uh, leaves the house, which is, by the way, another rule for marriage. That's the way we keep our marriage long and healthy. I work in the house. She leaves the house while I'm working. She comes back. I stop working. Just keeps things safe. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm doing the ceiling and, and, and man, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I have finished the ceiling. I've done all this different stuff, get rid of the water stain. And I sit down and I look and I think it's done. It's over. It's finished. The water stain is gone, but I didn't trust it because it's come back before. Edie comes in the house and I say, what do you think? She looks, she doesn't look at all the ceiling. She just looks where the water stain was. She said, it's gone. And I said, for now. <laughs> and we go to bed, get up the next morning. Sure enough, the water stain is gone. It's done. It is finished. It's still gone after several days. Mm. The water stain is done, except in my own mind. Because I will sit in my chair and I will look up at the ceiling and you know what I see? A water stain. It's not there. It's gone. Except in my mind. I can close my eyes right now and I can see the water stain. I see it. It's right there. We have stains on our soul that work the same way. Sins of our life, shame that fills our soul, that stains to the very core of who we are. And we carry the weight of the stain, and it causes us to be overwhelmed with despair. Some of us are living right now in the pain of our yesterday, stuck in the shame of our past. Now, get no, uh, uh, make no mistake, I, I, I believe it's important for us to feel bad about the bad things we do. 
Again, if you don't feel grief and sorrow for the sin that you've done, you need to be worried. Because either you're not a follower of Jesus or your heart is so hardened that you, and you have distanced yourself so far from God that you don't know how your sin is breaking his heart. I mean, if, if you can gossip about others as a follower of Jesus and not feel an overwhelming sense of guilt and pain over that, you need to be worried. Because either you're not a follower of Jesus or you've just forgotten how your sin is hurting God. If you can steal from someone or lie to someone or about someone and not feel the grief and the pain and the sting of your sin, you need to be worried because either you're not a follower of Jesus or you've forgotten your heart so hard you've forgotten how your sin breaks the heart of God. Being unfaithful to your, to your spouse or to your family or to your church or, or, or to your boss. You, you can be unfaithful and you think, oh, it's no big deal. And, 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 and if that's you, you need to be worried because either you're not a follower of Jesus or your heart is so hardened that you forget how your sin is breaking the heart of God. Oh, make no mistake, it is good to feel bad about your sin. But it's wrong as a follower of Jesus to carry the shame of your sin indefinitely. I think that's what some of us are doing. Some of us are carrying the shame of our sin. See, it's not for nothing, Romans chapter 8, 1. It is not for nothing, Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we have come into a friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we find a forgiveness that doesn't whitewash our sin, but wipes it away so that there's no longer any condemnation. So today, let's find some forgiveness as we're walking in the dismal swamp of our own despair because of our sin. And and, and in, in Psalm 130, if you look in verses 3 and 4, it says, says if, if you would mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I think that really is the hinge point of this passage. It's, it's that there is forgiveness with God. And today, look at me, today you can find hope for wholeness in your life because of God's forgiveness available to you. You, you can find hope for wholeness today. Not because you work to earn it. Not because you somehow have self-helped yourself into wholeness. You find hope for wholeness because God in his great love offers forgiveness. So how do we get to that forgiving love? How do we, how do we see the stain no longer in our soul? The first thing you got to do, and this is what I want to encourage you to do today, is you've got to cry out to the Lord for help. And, and I know that we do that. I mean, I know. I, I cry out to the Lord. I know that you cry out to the Lord. If you're a follower of Jesus, I know you cry out to the Lord for help. But sometimes we, we get tired of crying out to the Lord. The psalmist might have been tired of it, but he knew his trouble was too profound for him not to cry out to the Lord. He said, uh, Psalm 130, verse 1 and 2, he says, says, out of the depths, 
I have cried to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths. Psalmist found himself in a pit from which he could not climb. That's what... That's what the stain of sin and shame does to us. It puts us in a pit out of which we can't climb. We're we're stuck. The sides are slippery and the stain is real and the shame is overwhelming. And here we are at the bottom of the pit and we don't know what to do. We try to climb out. We can't climb out. We try to overcome it by doing uh, doing better things or good things. I, I can't tell you how many people work in different places in the church or in the community just to make themselves feel better about their sin. But when they go to bed at night, the weight and the shame of their sin remains. It's because they're trying to take care of it themselves. You're here today and you're trying to make amends for the things you do. I'm not saying you shouldn't make amends. I'm just saying you can't fix what you've broken with a holy God. It's not going to work. Look, I have sinned and I have sinned bad. And I probably going to sin pretty bad again. But the way for me to find remedy for the sin is not to try to make it better myself. The true remedy for my sin is to cry out to the Lord for help. And if you're carrying the weight of past choice in your heart and in your soul, Please understand that the only remedy you're going to find is a remedy that comes from the hand of a loving God who loves to forgive. Cry out to God for help because God loves to forgive. God loves to forgive and and he loves to forgive because that's who he is. There's a little double entendre here, two ways to take this sentence. God loves And therefore, he forgives. God loves in such a way that forgiveness is the result of it. Again, uh, verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 130. uh, Lord, if if you should mark or keep record or, or keep a tally of my iniquity, how would I stand before you? And the reality is you couldn't. I can't. You can't. We can't. Our sin separates us from God. And there is nothing, absolutely zero, we can do to remedy that situation. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has sent Jesus to take us even when we're dead in our sin and make us alive through his death on the cross. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sent Jesus on a love's mission to die on a cross for us who are sinners so that he might give us life instead of death, hope instead of despair, and and, and joy instead of mourning. Here's what God has done for us. He loves, so he forgives. You're here today, and you're a follower of Jesus. You're a product of his love because you have been forgiven your sin. Oh, please understand, you're not forgiven because you're attending church. You're not forgiven because you've said a prayer. You're not forgiven because you've done some religious duty. You're not forgiven because you uh, go through and you make sure you read your Bible every day or, 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 or you say, say the prayer of the rosary every day or, 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 or you, you go and see the priest or the pastor and you tell him all the bad things you've done. That does not forgive you. 
The only thing, according to the Bible, that can forgive your sin is a holy God who sent Jesus to die in your place on a cross. Jesus is the one who is the embodiment of God's love. There is forgiveness with you, O Lord, so that you may be feared. God loves so he sent Jesus to provide forgiveness for you. Ephesians 1.7. In Jesus there is redemption or rescue through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. It takes the death of Jesus on a cross to purchase your forgiveness and mine. But when he purchases our forgiveness, it is a clean slate. It is an all-in, all-done kind of thing. God loves to forgive. And not only does he love, therefore he forgives, but the second way to look at that sentence is God loves to forgive. He delights in forgiving others. He delights in forgiving you and me. Do you realize that? And there are people in your life, I'm sure, and if you don't have people in your life like this, I pray to God that he puts people like this in your life. There are people in your life who I am sure are easy forgivers. You know what I'm talking about? They're the person, I mean, you can punch them in the nose and they say, oh, that's okay. I mean, it's not, and it's not fake. It's for real. They're like, oh, I'm, oh my goodness, you punched me in the nose. You must be having a bad day. Are you okay? Is there something I can do for you? I mean, they immediately cover a crime in grace. Do you know people like that? I mean, if you don't, I'm sorry. I pray God put somebody, because they are a joy. I mean, they are a delight. But for most of us, forgiving is a lot harder than that, isn't it? Somebody punches me in the nose. I won't even, I won't even pretend like, you know, here's the religious response that I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. No, I'm not even forgiving you. I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm not forgetting, I'm not forgiving. You know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, I'll forgive you. I'll love you like Jesus. No, if you love like Jesus, you take the sin and move it as far from the east as it is from the west. But that's hard for us, right? And so because we look at how hard it is uh, how hard it is for us to forgive others, we begin to think that it's hard for God to forgive us. But it's not. God delights in forgiving us. He, he delights in forgiving us so much that he paved the way through the death of Jesus on the cross. Right, look, look, look at verses, look, look at verses uh, uh, 6 and 7, he says, or 7 and 8. He says, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. That, that term mercy is chesed, and it, it's the steadfast, never failing, always abounding, always faithful love of God. With, with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption or rescue. Oh, uh, oh, oh hope. And he shall, uh, he shall redeem or rescue Israel from all his iniquities. This is who God is. This is what God desires to do. Look, you're sitting there and you're swallowed up in the guilt of your sin. Make no mistake that in Christ Jesus, your sin has been forgiven. And God loves to forgive. He delights in forgiving. He's not holding a grudge. Do you realize that? God doesn't hold a grudge against you. 
Once Jesus pays the price for your sin, the price is paid in full and there is no returning to the sin. It's just hard for us to comprehend. Once we are covered by the forgiveness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, do you realize that the stain is gone? Not whitewashed, not covered over, it is erased as if it had never been there. Today, my prayer for us is that we would delight ourselves in the forgiveness that God is delighted in giving us. It is amazing what that does when we begin to soak, and here, when we soak our soul in the forgiveness of God, there's a result that begins to take place in our life. We begin to have hope. You see, God's forgiveness gives us hope fills our life with hope. It's, it's, it's a hope that, is, that springs up inside us. Not, again, it's not built on what I can do or what you do for me. It's not built on the circumstances for or against me. It's built upon the God who loves me so much that he has provided for my full forgiveness so that the stain is gone. And I'm not trying to erase the stain anymore. He's already wiped it away. He's removed the guilt of my sin as far as the east is from the west. It's Jesus that he sent on a mission to take the punishment my sin deserved and demanded. And it's that kind of rescue that God in his love provides that fills my soul with a confident expectation that the God who operated like that to forgive me is the God who's operating like that today in my life. Verse 5. I will wait on the Lord, and in his word I do hope. I will wait in the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Look, when we, when you and I, when we start looking, setting our gaze on the horizon for God's operative grace to be at work in our lives, that's what hope looks like. Um, people in my house, not me, but people in my house, they'll get up early in the morning and they'll drive down to the beach and they'll sit on the beach and they'll wait for the sun to rise. That's a silly thing to do. <laughs> That's what they'll do. They'll and get up and they'll drive down. I mean, they, I can't get them out of bed to vacuum the carpet, but boy, they're going to go get out of bed before the sun is up to go uh, just sit on the beach. I, at least that's what they're telling me they're doing. I'm, I'm trusting them that that's what they're doing. But anyway, they're sitting on the blanket at the beach, and, they're, and, and you know, if you've ever watched the sunrise when I was a romantic, whenever that was, I, you know, I can imagine you sit there on the beach, and, and it's dark, but you know the sunrise is coming. And you got your eyes fixed on the horizon. And you're just sitting there and you're watching for the light to crest. From the furthest part that you can see, you begin to see the dawning of the day. There was no doubt that that dawning was happening. There was no doubt that that cresting of the sun was going to take place. But your focus was on that moment. 
The psalmist says, here's how you live a life of a forgiven person. Your focus is always on the horizon. Watching for God's powerful love to crest from the furthest parts you can see that God in his work is moving and shaping and forcing things to happen according to his love and his forgiving love and his rescuing love in your life. Hope, hope, Bible hope is not, I hope it's going to rain today when there's a 10% chance of rain. Bible hope is, isn't even saying, I hope it's going to rain today when there's a 50% chance of rain. Bible hope is not, I hope it's going to rain when there's a 75% chance of rain. Bible hope is not saying, I hope it's going to rain and there's a 99% chance of rain. No, no, no. Bible hope is saying, I hope it's going to rain while the rain is coming down. That's Bible hope. I will hope in the Lord. I will hope in his word. And saying, God, I know you're working. I know you're acting. I know you're moving. Your forgiveness to me is proof of your love's active participation in my life and intervention in my day. So today, I look for the sun to rise. To dispel the darkness, I look for your love to rise, to chase away my despair, because I am forgiven, and there is no sin so big that the stain of my shame can ever return. Once God's forgiving love has erased it. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. In this moment, this morning, will you allow the forgiveness of God to soak your soul? Will you turn your eyes fully toward the love that he has. Maybe you're here today and you just need to cry out for God to remind you of his forgiving love. That, that you don't want to sit in the pit of shame any longer. That the stain of the sin in your life has, has held sway over you too long. You need freedom. You need victory. It's already there. It's brought to you through Jesus Christ. You're a follower of Christ today. Live in the hope of that forgiveness. Or maybe you need to come to this altar and you need to cry out to the living God and say, God, will you soak my soul in the forgiveness you've already given? Some of you are convinced and convicted today because God has forgiven you in such a way that's so extravagant and you have refused to forgive others. Maybe, maybe that's the angle God's getting on you today saying it's time for you to forgive the way you've been forgiven. Maybe you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you need forgiveness for the very first time. 
A forgiveness that you haven't purchased, that you can't earn, that you don't work to get. It's a forgiveness that God in His grace give you, gives you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and raising Him from the dead to give you new life. And you need that forgiveness. You're empty and without hope because you're separated from God by sin. And today's the day for you to choose Christ and be forgiven. Lord God, in these moments as we have gathered here, I pray that you would just soak us in your forgiving love. God, all around this room, every soul represented here, will you show us your forgiveness? Lift us up from the pit. Hear us when we cry. Hear the voice of our supplications. Let us respond to you with gratitude and celebration because you and your great grace have forgiven us. Remind us of your love, of your forgiveness. God, just soak our soul in your forgiving love today. And if there are any here, Lord God, any in this room right now who have yet to choose Christ, who have yet to cross the line of faith, become a follower of Jesus, who have yet to experience the forgiveness that only you can bring. I pray that you give them the courage to stand from where they are and choose Christ today. Now be glorified as you speak to your people and as you draw sinners to your forgiving love. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.